Hey, Brian here. And I am, again, just, I'm just excited to bring you this person here who's going to show you just another way in focusing on your happiness. What does that mean? What does that truly mean? I have Laura Benedetto here. And wow, you're going to understand that happiness doesn't always mean what the other marketers are trying, trying to tell you what it is. She's going to show you what, what it is and how to bring it into light for your life and what you're trying to pursue. And it's so special what she has to give. She has, she's going to give you a, a certain piece once you finish this particular episode. And she's going to do it with some fire. So let's get ready for her. I'm excited. Are you excited? I hope so. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with another one. It is Brian S. Arnold here with the Authority Project. And I have my new good friend here, Laura D. Benedetto, is here in the house in the virtual stage. And she is talking about you not standing in your way of happiness. Is she going to help you do that today? Is that right, Laura? Absolutely. I'm so stoked. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see what she can do for us today on this yep. amazing episode of The Authority Project. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, feast your eyes and tune your ears. It's that time again. We are live with another episode of The Authority Project. It's the video podcast streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope, where we talk to digital marketers, business coaches, and creators of all kinds on how they've built authority in their field and how you can mimic their success. Developing authority, building your audience, and attracting better clients to your own business. Now, without further ado, let's bring to the virtual stage your host, Brian S. Arnold. All right, we are back. It is Brian S. Arnold here with the Authority Project. You are the project. We want to slap authority to your name so you can sell more of what you're great at. And we have Laura Benedetto here, and I'm excited because it is a, a topic that we don't really deal with. I, I would say on this show or otherwise, I think in general. So I'm so happy to have you here to talk about this. But before we dive in, please tell us, Laura, who you are personally and then professionally. Sure. So personally, shoot, I'm a nerd. That's probably the best <laughs> way to describe me. I'm a nerd. I love my kitties. I love gardening. I get very excited about things being in order and organized. I mean, I paint. I've got my silly little projects. I like to, you know, go for long walks on the beach. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm married, and I have no children, but I have fuzzy children, and they're awesome. I lived in Hawaii for a while. That was fun, and I'm originally from the Boston area, like yourself. Yes. That's the personal side. The, uh, the professional side is that I am uh, the CEO of Vision Advertising which is a full-service marketing firm in central Massachusetts. We have won so many awards, which is awesome. And I have too, and I've gotten lots of incredible exposure for myself. And I've been on major media to talk about marketing and really help people that way. I also retired from active involvement at 37, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then I decided that retirement brought about an interesting array of problems and challenges that I was not expecting because everybody's, oh my God, retirement, that must be like the holy grail. Right. Is it? Is it? <laughs> I don't know. So I found some interesting stuff I wasn't banking on, did a crazy research project to find out why I wasn't happy, figured out why I wasn't happy, what to do about it. And it worked so well that I've gone on to share it with other people. And 
here we are now. I'm a number one best-selling author. I've got a TEDx talk out there, and I'm a public speaker and educator and all-around life enthusiast. Nice, nice. And our our second question, I think you might have already stated it, but if you want to go further, you can. We talk about what is your current project? Would that be your book that you're talking about right now? No, my current project is painting my living room. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, listen, I got to tell you, so many of us focus on like the business accomplishments and this and that and being in the Boston area, like for so long, it's it's all about achieve, accomplish and go from one achievement to the next. No, I just bought myself a peach tree. I'm going to dig a hole stick the tree in the hole, water it, <laughs> paint my living room and be happy. Happy is my project. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. So before we get right into it, one last constant question that we have. What is your daily routine? If you have one? I wake up and I have coffee. That's the only thing that's consistent day to day. In the morning, at night, I have a 10 p.m. date with my husband and we grab the babies doggy the two kitties and we pile into bed and we all watch a documentary and try to wind down for the night and so the bookends of the day are really nice we get to wake up as a whole family and go to bed as a whole family and the guts of the day it's anybody's guess got it i love it i love that so let's dive in let's dive in i had a sarcastic moment here saying i was like are are we all unhappy is that what we're starting with today are we so so let's dive into this thing about being happy or not standing in the way of our happiness? How does that begin? Sure. Well, I think by and large, we do stand in the way of our own happiness, but we don't realize we are the obstruction. I think that our culture, particularly the American culture, is really good at pointing out deficiencies and creating perceptions of deficiency. For example, you can't sell wrinkle cream to someone who doesn't care that they have wrinkles. You can't sell weight loss pills to someone who's happy with the way they look. You can't do those things. So when I say this as the CEO of a marketing company, marketers and all that other stuff, like they've turned the product industry into basically a problem industry. And what it's done is it's created a slew of humans who are dissatisfied with their spouses, the way they look, how heavy they are, their career accomplishments. We compare ourselves to others. I don't have as much money as him. I haven't, I'm not as skinny as her. My wife isn't as hot. Like I don't go on big enough vacations. Meanwhile, what we're not doing is we are not shutting out all of that external noise and listening to our internal wisdom about what makes us happy and shutting everything out. And when we do that, it actually takes a lot of courage because in order for us to choose to follow a path of genuine happiness for what truly makes us happy, we're going to have to piss some people off. We're going to have to say to people, no, I don't agree with your rules for how I should conduct myself. No, I'm I'm not going to live in this part of the country anymore, even though you want me to. No, mom, I'm gay. Sorry, I like women or whatever. Like we have to get comfortable disappointing people because by and large, we constantly live to please others, even though we don't think we do, because people pleasers, they know they're people pleasers. <laughs> but those that are not people pleasers, they're like, no, 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 I'm not a people pleaser. Oh, but you are, because what you're doing is you're basically buying into all the crap that the marketers and Hollywood and all of these different things have told you about how to conduct yourself what a woman is, what a businessman is, what a soccer parent is, blah, 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 labels and definitions and deficiencies and all these things. So no, 
we're not as happy as we could be, but there's hope because we can be and the salvation is found inside of us. And a lot of it is all about finding the courage to truly honor what we decide happiness looks like. And for me, it's planting my peach tree and painting my living room and hanging out with my doggy, my kids and my husband. It's so interesting that I, I'm, I went through your bio and saw things that you struggled with. When did you realize that this was an issue that impacted more than just you, where you're saying like, wow, this, what I, what I went through is something that I really need to share and, and, and touch people's lives in this way, where this is a major thing for a lot of people where I, I say that do people fake their happiness? And if they do, how destructive can that be, you know, long-term? So I first noticed that this was uh, an issue actually once I got out of my own way, because once I was able to see my own suffering, the clarity arrived. So I was able to really quickly focus in on other people's suffering. Sometimes we're not even aware that we're suffering. So where it really shows up for us is it's not even so much convincing ourselves that we're happy. We don't even stop to ask half the time. And we don't even stop to ask ourselves the real question like I would ask myself, and I do this all the time, Laura, what do you truly want right now? Like I'll, I'll be out on the road and I could go to home. I could go to the grocery store. I could go to Lowe's. I could go out for a cocktail. But in those moments, I will ask myself, Laura, what do you truly want right now? Instead of doing the thing that I always do, which is momentum or the thing that people have expected me to do or the thing that I've always done just because I've always done it. We get caught up in momentum and we think that, that makes us happy or if our parents are proud of us because we finally got married or got that big career achievement or finally retired early or did whatever the thing was. Well, so-and-so is proud of me, so I must be happy now, Mm. right? And that's the subtext. But we don't typically stop long enough to even ask, is this working? Like, my friend, I have won many awards. At no point in time did I ever ask myself, is this truly what I want? Is this my yardstick of happiness or was this someone else's? Why am I going after all these awards? Why do I care? Do I care? I'm grateful for the awards, but I want to be very clear. They don't matter in the ways that incredible enrichment and being a good human matters to me. So once I took a step back to really look and ask myself the questions, I found that my answers were very different. And when other people do the same Mm -hmm. and just stop with the momentum and actually just check in with ourselves, our answers tend to be different if we have the bravery to answer differently. Awesome. Now I was going a little bit through through your book here and you touched on it in your own words about like, I Googled it up in, (laughs) that was was something that I I thought of, but it's actually a, a thing. And they call it comparison syndrome, where you're comparing yourself to others and really, I guess, really making yourself even more unhappy <laughs> when you're seeing <laughs> the people that you want to be like, or you, you see this yeah. person, I wish I was this, or wish I had this person, I wish I had this company like his. Can you speak to that, how destructive that can be just to one's happiness? Absolutely. I actually remember doing it so long. Shoot, like, I have these lifelong habits of comparing myself to others. We all do. But even when you change your mental habits the way I have, and I help other people to do it, the old habits will still be there. You have to just be constantly aware of them and then be like, pew, 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 make sure they don't get you. (laughs) The thing about comparisonitis and comparison syndrome is when we take a look at other people and we want what they want. 
or we want what they have. We want more than what we have because we're not living in a place of gratitude and we're not really accepting who we are and what we truly want. And usually we end up getting very hurt by this because we end up following life paths that are not truly ours. Mm -hmm. We end up following sometimes career achievements that actually don't genuinely matter to us. And we end up following along with value systems that don't actually align with who we are. And we do so because we're trying to fit the mold. Because let's say a friend of mine has infinitely more money than me and she retired much earlier. I would be looking at her and thinking, wow, you know, there must be something wrong with me because I couldn't achieve what she achieved. So I now need to work even harder so I can feel better about myself. And that's a false narrative. And it's a bunch of lies that we tell ourselves, right? And what happens is when we tell ourselves these things, we work harder at the crap that we don't care about and we ignore the things that we truly care about. And we actually go down this massive rabbit hole of self-destruction and it's a momentum that will keep us cycling downward and downward. But when alternatively, we choose to love ourselves and the way we truly are enough, including our choices, gifts, limitations, whatever, sometimes we'll have the courage to admit that perhaps we don't want to be a millionaire. Perhaps we don't care about awards. Perhaps we don't care what our parents think. Perhaps we don't want kids. Perhaps, no, I don't want to get married. No, I don't want to live here. It's only when we love ourselves, mm. truly that we can set ourselves free of the trap, but it's, it's like a chicken and egg, right? You know, like, well, I got to love myself to get myself free of this, blah, blah, blah. But then I got to get myself free of this. Then I can love myself. It begins with love. It's not a chicken and egg. It, it always begins with self-love, which is the second habit, habit I teach about. Awesome. I think you just stole my, my next question, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> so so I, I think people, a lot of people bring out this scenario, like in their mind that as soon as I stop making more money, or as soon as I find my soulmate, as soon as I leave this this relationship or this job or whatever, then I'll be happy. Once this is done, then happiness will come. Does that work? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's conditional. It's I'll love myself if I lose 20 pounds. I will finally mm -hmm. feel good about myself when I win this award, or I will finally approve of myself when I make this sale, or if I make this sale, or if I can achieve this much, or I will finally feel like I have enough when I get a boat that I don't even want. Like it, it's so much if then crap mm. and it's so conditional. What would happen if we chose to unconditionally love ourselves and unconditionally choose to joy or choose to be joyful? What if we chose to say, I love myself now without all that crap? Mm. Not sure I need that stuff either because I'm actually constitutionally solid. Mm. Would we want less? Would we find satisfaction much easier? Would we compare ourselves less and only compare ourselves to who we were yesterday and who we could be tomorrow? So I, I love all, all, all these answers because it's so compelling because I think that a lot of us get stuck. We get stuck in this rut where I have to do this or else my life doesn't make, have the meaning that I wanted to have, those kind of things. So how, how do we break out of that? How do you show people to break out of that mode where this is how, or let me ask you this question. Has anybody asked you what happiness looks like? Mm -hmm. I get asked that a lot. And what, the what answer, answer will be yeah. different for every person. Right. <laughs> 
Because happiness for me is going to be different than happiness for you. I mean, maybe you love the thrill of collecting sports figurines and then every month or so sitting there and polishing them off with a little toothbrush and that makes you happy. It's nerdy, but it's your jam, right? Like, or maybe other people, they just love to casually and calmly just explore the world and go one cute little town to another. Other people maybe just get incredible joy from just like making a nice crunchy salad and savoring every ingredient. Like (laughs) happiness is so many different things, but it should be a solid baseline of contentment that you have. And I I like to think of happiness overall, however we define it as like a scale of one to 10. Most people live their lives at like a baseline level of contentment around like a three or a four. They're not really happy. They're not miserable, right? (laughs) Right, But they're just going through the motions. Oh God, I got to go to work tomorrow. Right, right. right. Wouldn't describe that as happy, would you? So you know, when you've got when you've got this kind of outlook, it's hard for you to go after your dreams. It's hard for you to really show up for your children, your spouse, the people you care about, or your community in any sort of joyful way, much less yourself. But when you can live your life regularly at baseline of six, seven, eight, or nine, and that's your normal set point, you do things differently. You achieve not because you feel like you have this compulsion to do it. You achieve because that shit is fun. And you're addicted to it because this is awesome. And you're just having a blast. You know, you take classes and you learn things, not because you feel like you've got a deficiency. You do it because you're just genuinely curious and you're excited and enthusiastic. You like, maybe you'll approach your spousal conflicts with a desire for up-leveling your marriage versus we got to fix this thing. It's broken. It sucks. Mm -hmm. It's a different perspective. It changes how you see things. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So this shows a lot about solopreneurs and I know a lot of them, maybe including me, <laughs> maybe including not all of us get a lot of different information. We're inundated by this coach, this mentor, this trainer, they're mm-hmm. all saying the same things. You got to do this, Brian. You got to do this, you got to do this. And then eventually you feel bad because maybe you're not doing all those things that they're telling you to do, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. can you, how, how do you break out of just being okay with not being like your mentor says you want to do, or like you said, it might be what your parents say you you should be doing, or maybe your spouse is saying you need to do this. How do you internally still maintain a happy a happiness in trying to be yourself in all mm-hmm. of this chaos of arrows coming at you with mm-hmm. your directions? Oh, and there's so much of it. Oh my God. And I, you know what? <laughs> I was a victim and I got shot by all these arrows for many years. And Yeah. So I would say I went through this exact thing and it frustrated me because I always felt like, no, I'm not going to wake up every morning and meditate for 15 minutes before I start my day. I don't do routine. It's not my jam. I don't like it. Mm. Like variety is my only habit, right? I don't want to drink celery juice. I want to do (laughs) yoga because I want to do yoga, not because I I promised somebody else I was going to do it. Like when we can actually get to a place where we, number one, know what truly is necessary for us to be successful, which is the six mental habits that I teach about in my book. And we actually learn what they are, how they apply and where they show up in our lives. That is where the revelations start to show up and the inspiration comes. Because at the end of the day, I can tell you all day long to drink the celery juice. You're not doing it unless you're sufficiently inspired. Mm. You're not doing it. You have to have a sufficient reason why. So it's number one, learn about the habits. Number two, learn about yourself and learn where you are with relation to these things. And then number three, it's actually acquire the habits. I don't know if you floss every day, but I do. And that took me a while to acquire that habit, but it's acquirable, it's learnable. The habits Mm -hmm. that I teach about are also learnable. And the thing is, 
There's all these wonderful books out there, wonderful books, coaches, programs, retreats, conferences, whatever. But at the end of the day, the only thing that makes any sort of uh, difference is sustained action. That's it. And the sustained action that I like to help people actually to do is not the yoga, the meditation, the celery juice, the going to the gym, the eating right. All those things are great, but it's not those things. It's actually why you do those things. It's not even why you start the solopreneur adventure. It's literally all of the foundational stuff underneath it. And the six core mental habits that I teach about, they are the foundation. They are the pillars. Those will be the things that will make you want to do yoga. Those will be the things that make you get on the phone and, and make those cold calls and go after and get some clients. Those are the things that will help you to start a business. Because at the end of the day, these habits inform how you interact with life, how you interact with challenge, adversity, stuff you want, stuff you hate, people's expectations of you, et cetera, et cetera. So when you fortify yourself, then you go and read all, all those awesome books and coaching programs and this and that, then they're more likely to work for you because you'll be coming at it from a different place and you'll be equipped to succeed. This stuff that I teach about is the precursor to all of that. Wow. I love it. I love it. And I have, only have two more questions for you. We'll be, out, we'll be ready to go. One is a, a little light thing. So let me just read this, this out to you. You speak on this very heart-centered subject that is like all woman fuzzy. You're the happiness coach, you know, but what? you're fierce, Laura. You're kind of fierce. You, what, you, you don't think fierce people can be happy? <laughs> <laughs> I am fierce as hell and I'm really happy. And I'm also the coach that when I work with people, I am 100% calling you on your crap. Mm. I am not let you're going to hide. You. You're not going to hide from yourself, not on my watch. And I will show you the warmth of the sun. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. I, I love that. That is that is great. That is great. And maybe to sum it up, Boston thing coming out as well, right? The, the fierceness coming out from. I mean, I'm a asshole. <laughs> Awesome. So last question, last question. I, I, this has been great. This has been awesome. Last question. And we'll, we'll get you out of here. It goes something like this. Access of all of my guests and there are people watching you now. They'll be listening to you later and they ha might have similar goals, similar interests in helping people make a better impact in their lives like you're doing. And they want to do the, some of the things that you're doing. They want to be like Laura in a way, <laughs> but still be happy. <laughs> Context. But can you tell them how they can become an authority in this space? Absolutely. So if you want to be an authority in the personal development space, you need to develop yourself personally. You need to do the work first. You need to find the revelatory piece of information that changes your life, something that's new and interesting and genuinely life-changing, apply it, change your own life, and don't you dare teach on it until you fully master the subject. Once you have, then you're going to know what it takes to experience the hardship, experience the hard days, the, the challenging moments when you don't necessarily feel like doing it. So that way, when you want to be the authority for other people and, and lead the way and take them with you, you'll know how the road really looks versus how it could theoretically look. Hmm. And you're going to be a much, much more powerful cheerleader, hero, and in the trenches leader. That's perfect. That's perfect. I, I love all, everything about that. <laughs> Laura, you're amazing. This was great. 
Thank you. Oh. And you haven't stopped smiling throughout this whole show. So, <laughs> so although I am incredibly intense, I am a tall cup of black coffee. I know that. Intense people can be the harbingers of happiness. Yes. So have as much as you like. <laughs> yes, awesome. And we got a comment here. Someone says, great answer to that. So perfect, perfect. So can you tell them now where to find you after the show? Absolutely. You can go to one of two websites. One, if you're brave and you think you can spell my last name, you can try to go to lauradibenedato.com. But if not, you can go to the6habits.com. It's T-H-E-S-I-X, habits.com. Awesome. Yeah, the T-H-E really matters. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> awesome stuff. So thank you so, so much. I, I This was great. This is great. Thank you. This has been fun. I like your questions. Thank you. The right ones. (laughs) Well, take care, everybody. Remember, I'm going to do my little plug here at the end here. Go to theauthorityletter.com. I have a weekly newsletter that I send out once a week. Very powerful. A little stuff about how to build your authority platform with um, building authority assets. And I have a video series on there, two, three-part video series. Very cool, short, to the point, and full of substance, I think so. Anyway. But that's me. (laughs) That's me. And we'll get you out of here with that. People, remember, build it, share it, and they will come. And we're out of here. Thank you so much, Laura. Peace. And that's a wrap for this episode of The Authority Project. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, we want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and give an honest review. Share and tell your friends so they can hear too. And for even more authority-building tactics, be sure to sign up at theauthorityletter.com. Get free weekly content and ongoing digital product giveaways to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. We certainly hope you got a key takeaway or maybe an aha moment from today's broadcast. Just remember, it's your authority. Build it, share it, and they will come. Until next time.